Hey there, and welcome to the podcast of Real Life Spokane. We are so happy you are joining us today. We exist to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. And you can help us do that by liking, sharing, or subscribing to this podcast. Let's jump in. John chapter three. This is uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ um, as written by this eyewitness friend of Jesus named John. If you have a Bible, you can turn there with me. We're kicking off today and I'm gonna share a lot of scriptures with you, but I, I want to just start right here because John chapter three, verse 16, just captures the essence of Jesus, captures the essence of Jesus' church. Scripture says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. God so loved every single one of us, every single one of you, everyone that has ever lived, ever will live. God so loved the world that he gave, that God was willing to give his one and only son, his son, God himself, Jesus Christ, came to walk this earth sinless and perfect. God gave his son as a sacrifice for our sin, for my sin, for your sin. Our sin separates us from God, and God's love drove him to give his son as a sacrifice for our sin. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Jesus came. He walked sinless and perfect willingly giving his life for yours and mine. The Bible says the wages of our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, anyone in this room, anyone online, anyone across this planet, across all of history, who believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal Life shall not spend eternity separated from God in a real place called hell, but spend forever in heaven in eternal life in relationship with God the way we were created to be. God so loved the world. When I think back uh, over the last 11 years, this is why we started this church 11 years ago because God so loved the world. Because God came and rescued so many of us revealed himself to us, showed his love, brought this sense of urgency of, of, man, the love that God is filling our hearts with. We want everybody to know this love. But this love started, like, like John 3 says here, a couple thousand years ago when God brought his son to earth. Jesus came and he lived this perfect sinless life. But as he was kind of obscure for about 30 years, not many people knew what he was doing or what he was about he had about three years of public ministry where he began to declare the kingdom of God. And he gathered 12 guys to be his disciples. And these 12 were not the likely 12. These were unlikely 12. These were not the religious ones, the not all put together ones. They were the ones that needed some work. Can I get an amen on that, right? They were the ones that needed some encouragement, some transformation, some shaping. They needed to be brought out of brokenness and into life. They needed to get rid of old habits and, and, and places of bitterness and unforgiveness and places of brokenness that they'd caused, a hurt that they'd done to other people and walk out of all that old identity into a new identity. And the catalyst for that journey was love. It wasn't religious shame. You should try harder, disciples. Get your act together. 
It was love. It was love. I have, I have a mission of love, a rescue mission to, to see people know me and, and, and be saved from their sin and be set free from all that has burdened them. I, I have a heart and a passion to see lives change. Would you, would you come with me on this rescue mission? And that love compelled these disciples to say, I'm all in. I'll go. I'll leave my, my business behind. I'll leave everything behind. I'll do whatever I got to do to be all in. Jesus, I'm with you on this mission of love. Those 12 then were commissioned by Jesus to go make disciples of all nations. He said, I want you to baptize them. That's why we celebrate Braden getting baptized. I said, I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. This mission of love was then given to these disciples. And these disciples began to do what Jesus did with them. They began to love people, share the good news about Jesus Christ with people, and people's lives were being radically changed. And as groups of those peoples began to kind of emerge, churches were formed. You read the book of Acts, you just see this amazing example of love just, just spreading throughout the region. In fact, the entire known world at that point began to know about Jesus because of these guys who are the unlikely ones being captured by the love of Jesus Christ and sent with that love inside them to love everybody that they came into contact with. Jesus said to his disciples before he left, he said, hey, you're going to go out and there's going to be all kinds of crazy stuff happening, but here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember this, that I've called you to love one another. And the way that you love one another is going to be proof to the world that you are my disciples. Jesus could have picked anything to be the proof of his disciples. And he chose the thing that drove him. It was his love that drove God to send his son to earth. And it was the same thing that he said, hey, this is how you're, you're gonna, people are gonna know that you are a follower of Jesus, that you are my church, that you are my people. It's my love inside you, compelling you to love the city, to love each other. You're gonna be known by your love. Love, I would say, is what started real life in Spokane. The love of God poured out in our lives. The love of God for the last 2,000 years that has brought the church through all of history, through all of the craziness of history. Uh, the love of God is what started Jesus' church. That's what started this church 11 years ago, was a simple heart to be Jesus' church. Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus said it so simply, the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. That love is what filled my heart, our heart, when the elders at Real Life in Post Falls, uh, I'd worked there for about four years. Uh, that church got started in 1998, and all kinds of awesome stuff happened there. My family ended up there, and I was working there as a small groups pastor. So if you ever hear me talk about getting connected, now you know why, like you got to get in a group. Uh, and, and they taught me how to make disciples. I, I was a pastor, but I had no idea how to make disciples. Think of this, a guy in ministry that had no idea how to do what Jesus asked us to do. So if you feel like you're unqualified to make disciples, join the club, right? But I don't know where, what I'm doing and how to do this, but, but by God's grace, they trained me up in that. And, and, and then the others came to, to my wife and I, and they said, hey, we, we see all these people driving from Spokane to Idaho, and, and uh, it's awesome to have a church kind of for the region, but man, people got to be able to reach neighbors and friends and family people. They got to love them right where they are in their schools and in their workplaces and their neighborhoods. Uh, a lot of neighbors aren't going to drive 45 minutes or 50 minutes to Idaho. They got to they have a church right there in their city. Will you guys go plant it? 
And I remember for my wife and I, just this, this crazy kind of season of prayer going, God, is this what you want us to do? We never dreamt of planting a church. We never wanted to plant a church. But we heard clearly Jesus saying, yes, I want you to launch a church in Spokane. And the very next thing he did was he began to break our heart for this city. It wasn't about starting a thing with a building and programs. It was about people. How do, God, we love people in Spokane? How, God, do we, do we, do we in, engage wholeheartedly in this mission right in the middle of this city that you're calling us to? And this heart for lost and dying in this city just began to just stir in our hearts. I remember as a, as a brand new church just starting to understand, wow, this is like one of the most unchurched states in the nation. One of the most de-churched cities in our state, people that used to be a part of church or grew up maybe Catholic or some other tradition of religion. And, and there is this huge need. This is what, what I started to recognize, that there is a lot of people that know about God, have notions of God, concepts of God. But something that stirred in me was that, that God so loved the world that he gave his son, Jesus Christ. Many people knew about God, but didn't know Jesus. And for me, this became a clear distinction is God's love poured out through his son, Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, you wouldn't know what God is like, who he is, what he likes, what he doesn't like, what he feels like, what compassion looks like. Jesus is God in the flesh, and he is the one that you and I as human beings can learn to relate with. And so many people have, have backed up from God as this concept and allowed him to be this big man upstairs, right? This kind of distant theory about religion and don't know the person, the savior, the love that comes through Jesus Christ. And so quickly it became this distinction for me. Hey, Rich, you got to teach people about Jesus. You got to teach them his love. You got to show them who he is. And you got to be on a mission of love and rescue in this city. I remember this, this broke through in such a powerful way. We didn't have services yet. We started just in small groups, and I think we had about 10 or 12 small groups before we ever started services. And, and one of the guys in our groups uh, named Brent was with us on a Saturday. We were serving meals together before we had services um, with a biker gang that loves Jesus. I don't know what you call them, biker ministry. I, I don't know. And uh, they were awesome. And we were serving meals together to homeless people. And Brent has two boys, and um, one of them was with him. And the other one had been estranged um, from him for over two years, hadn't talked to each other, had no idea where he was. And as God began to pour out his love on Brent's life and began to show him how much he loved him, Brent was compelled to be a part of this church and learn how to love the way Jesus was loving him. And it became so real for him on that Saturday when his son, who he had not seen for two years, walked through the feeding line homeless. And Brent's literally scooping food onto a plate and looks his son that he hasn't talked to in the eyes, drops everything, embraces his son and begins to just share the love of Jesus, what Jesus has been doing. Just think of a father's heart who hasn't seen his son. All he can do is just express his love, his compassion, his concern for, for where he's at and what's going on. And begins to share the love of Jesus with his son and uh, that biker gang had a horse trough full of water that day, and we got to baptize his son into Jesus Christ that day right there on the spot. And I remember just being like so overwhelmed. God, your love is real. 
Jesus, you are real and you are making yourself known to people in a real way. Love is what started this thing as a church. Love is what kind of drove us as a people to say, I'm, I'm all in, Jesus. Like the disciples leaving nets, uh, God, I'm going to leave whatever I got to leave to come be your disciple. I'm going to leave whatever I got to leave to come be a part of this mission with you. If it means priorities, I'll leave them. If it means an old way of thinking, I'll leave it. If it means a, a, a relationship that's pulling me away from you, God, I'm all in to you and to your leadership, to your kingdom, to your purposes. By the grace of God, over the last 11 years, we've got to baptize now, like Brent's son, over 2,000 people into Jesus Christ. Love is what started this thing, right? That is what, that's what got this thing going. I was thinking about the kids at One Heart. You know, by God's grace, we've gotten to serve over 20,000 kids going back to school uh, and getting them ready with haircuts, school supplies, shoes, all of that. That started with just a simple passion to love kids right where they're at. I was thinking of the day when we shifted from backpacks to shoes. It wasn't like this great strategy. You know what we should do? We should get shoes for kids. No way. That year, we were down at the West Central Community Center um, giving away haircuts and doing all that stuff. And we had a whole bunch of like old thrift store reject clothes. Like they were getting ready to throw them away. And we're like, we'll take them. We sorted them, cleaned them, um, pulled the needles out of them. We had to do whatever we had to do to get them ready. And we gave away thousands of pieces of clothes that, that year to families in need. And there was used shoes in there. And I remember walking through the parking lot by the Jumpy Castle, and there was a couple of brothers seated, seated in the grass together. And they were looking at this new pair of shoes that they just got from us at One Heart. And they were negotiating with each other which day of the week they were going to wear the pair of shoes. Like, you get them on Tuesdays, I'll, t I'll, I'll wear them on Wednesdays. Like, they were figuring this out. And it wasn't like contempt. It was just brothers taking care of each other. And I remember in that moment, the Holy Spirit was like, you got to put shoes on these kids' feet. You got to figure out whatever it takes. This year, you guys, you guys raised almost 1,300 pairs of shoes to give to kids in our city. This was just in August, right? Like, this is how, like, all these kids have received God's love. It's through you. And I just think about this love, how simple it is, but how powerful it is when you and I understand that Jesus didn't come into some fake, all put together religious life. He came in the middle of real life where people were, they were hurting, they were struggling, they were sick, they were broken. And then as Jesus comes into the middle of our real lives, we have an opportunity then to engage the same way. Love is what started this thing. And I, I believe with all my heart that love is what has sustained this thing, this church that Jesus called us to plant here. Luke chapter five, verse 31. You could jot this down. Jesus answered the religious leaders of the day. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Last week, I was telling you about how struck I was by this sense, this burden that I have. As a leader, I always want to do a good job. I always want to get it right. I always want to be awesome at my job, just like you want to be awesome at your job. And when I fail or when we fail collectively as a church, it's easy to get discouraged. And at the same time, the Holy Spirit was just reminding me last week, Richie, if you, if you had a perfect church, only perfect people could come to that church. 
And for me, that was such a grounding moment because I recognize how imperfect I am and how Jesus' mission of love has always been about imperfect people. And yet we have this striving inside of us to make it perfect, to make it just right, to get all the programs just right, the building just right, all the stuff just right. And Jesus just calming me down going, remember who I picked. Remember where you were when I picked you. Remember, remember how, how sick you were when I, I, I brought you into the ER and, and I, I began to transform your heart and your life. And see, I think about all of you that are coming to be a part of real life and how important this is that we understand Jesus' heart, that his heart of love drives him not to the, to the most religious ones and the most put together ones, to the most broken ones, to the, to the sick ones, to the hurting ones. And to make this a team and a family where people feel like this is the church for them, where they can understand that, that wherever they've come from, God loves them and is receiving them right where they are. For me, this is the, the passion that drives us as a people to go, man, God, you came to call the, the, the sick ones, the ones that were struggling and hurting God. Would we be a church who are for those people, for the people that are struggling and hurting? Man, would we be a, a, just a place of warmth and welcoming? Would we be a place of healing and transformation? Would we not be a place of expectation and perfectionism, but a place where we just take people right where they are? And, and, and I just love that, that that is what we would want, Right? Like, that's the kind of team I want to be a part of. It's so easy to lose track of the love of God and allow ourselves to get consumed by all the, all the expectations that we all have, all the striving that we all have. And I just love that Jesus is recentering our hearts as his church to believe God for the miracles of changed lives. Because it's in this place where you decide to not be a country club, but a hospital for the hurting. When Jesus is like, great, I'm going to bring you the sick. I'm going to bring you the hurting. I remember the day when God brought a woman that had just gotten out of jail. She came because um, somebody uh, who was going to church here heard us talk about loving people right where they are. And she knew of this woman kind of by a, a shirt collar relation. And so she knew she had just gotten out of jail and she invited her to stay with her, live with her while she got uh, her feet underneath herself. And this woman um, had come out of jail with all kinds of brokenness in her past between drugs and prostitution, all kinds of brokenness in, in her past. And I remember the story so vividly because her friend, a roommate, said, hey, you got to come with me to real life. And all she has is her sweatpants and her sweatshirt and her do-rag and the, the, the thing that she had coming out of jail. She said, I can't go to church looking like this. And her friend goes, oh, yes, you can. You can come to this church looking like this. And she walked through these doors in her sweatpants that Sunday and experienced the love of Jesus Christ. And as God began to transform her life, all of the brokenness of her past was being redeemed relationships that had been estranged, people that had been lost in her life, God just began to pull them back together. She would run into people at gas stations and grocery stores and people seeing the change in her life began to give evidence and testimony that this really is a hospital for the hurting. This really is a place of transformation. It's not just lip service, but the love of God is clearly here changing people's lives. And I really believe that this is what sustains the work of God 
through any trial or tribulation? Have we been through a trial the last couple of years? Yes. Have you and your family, in your school, and in your workplace? Yes. As a country, as a world? Yes. But the love of God reminding us of how much he loves us and the purpose that he fills us with is what compels us to keep going no matter what. We have a phrase that we established long ago in our culture here. It says this, whatever it takes. Jesus, your love inside of us compels us to do whatever it takes to see lives radically change. And I really believe with all my heart that, that through these strange times in our history, we're beginning to identify with all the strange times throughout history. I, I mean, most of us have had it pretty good for a lot of years. And, and this is a, an interruption that now we get to start to identify with the saints who have gone before us, who have persevered through difficult times, right? It is an easy time for us to give up, lose heart, walk away from the love of God. But this is a time when the love of God cannot grow dim in our hearts, but has got to stir us once again with a passion and a desire to see lives change. And I believe with all my heart that you can get you can get totally taken out during this crazy time that we are in. But I believe that the people of God have always been a people that endure through difficulties and are grounded not in their own perfection and their performance, but in the love of God and how good he's been in their life and how desperate our world is for his love to continue to pour out through his church, right? Like, like his church is to be a beacon of light, of hope, a city set on a hill. And as things get darker, his light can shine brighter, right? When you and I are becoming his people, his church filled with his love. And I really believe with all my heart that this is a time for us to not shrink back and wait for things to go back to normal. Many of us have been sidelined. As your pastor, this is, just let me shepherd you for just a second and say this. Waiting for things to go back to normal is not a strategy that will lead you to the life of Jesus. Jesus' church has always endured through difficult times and difficult circumstances and has always needed people that stay grounded in the love of God, not in the circumstances of our world, but in the love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God, and have continued to say, no matter what happens, whatever it takes, Jesus, I will keep loving. I will keep serving. I will keep showing up. I will keep worshiping. I will keep serving. I will keep giving. I will keep doing whatever I got to do, Jesus, to help people experience your love. The, the darkness has not shrunk back during this time. You know what I'm saying? And for the people of God to shrink back, we just give way to the enemy in our city. And we have an opportunity to not shrink back and lose heart, but to rise up and be filled once again with the love of God for our city. See, this is, this is what Jesus was so passionate about. Hey, I came for the, for the sick, not for the healthy, not for the ones that have it all together. I came and I want to use people who are in the middle of all this mayhem to love the people around them, to show them what my love looks like. I believe with all my heart that love not only started this church, sustains this church, but love is what will make the future of this church. Think about each one of you. I know some of you by name, getting to know more of you. So many of you are new to real life. But here's the thing that just grounds me in this conversation. I come back to John chapter 3, verse 16. Jesus said, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not 
perish, but have eternal life. When I come back and just settle my heart there again, I'm reminded of Jesus' life, his ministry, his teaching. I'm reminded of, of John chapter 13 when he says, listen, disciples, I, I, I've poured out my love. I'm here because of love. A new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See, Jesus' church has always been a call, an invitation out of our broken, destructive lives that have missed the love, missed the love of God, missed on how good God is in our lives, and a call to encounter, be encountered by God, experience the love of God, and then begin to give that love of God to everyone we are in relationship with. He's like, this is how big of a deal this is. The only way the world will really know that you are my people, my church, my disciples, is by your love for one another. No matter where you've come from, how broken you feel, how messed up your life has been, there is an invitation for every single one of us to experience the love of God. To be loved by a God who loves you, knows you, sees you, understands you, has has been in every bit of temptation that you have been in, but but did not fall to that temptation. Jesus has walked in those shoes. When, When the enemy lies to you and makes you feel distant and isolated, like no one understands, hear Jesus' voice saying, I see you, I know you, I love you, I am calling you. See, what what makes the future of Jesus' church is that people need the love of God, right? That there is a city that we are in with half a million people that are far from the love of Jesus that we are compelled to go to. The love of God compels us, moves our hearts with this passion. We got to learn how to love Jesus. We got to learn how to love each other, the people around us. God, you got to teach us. You got to mature us in this thing called love. In a time when everybody's hunkering down and focusing on themselves, Jesus, make us a self-sacrificing people. Make us a people who, who don't lose sight of the mission that you've given us. Make us a people who are compelled by this love to give, to serve, to do whatever we have to do. God, we will figure it out. We will rise up when everyone else shrinks back, God. We will be your church, God. We receive this love and we are compelled by this love to go, to serve, to give to love, to do, God, whatever you call us to do. I think about the miracle of the last 11 years. It's not been a miracle of perfect people. It's been a miracle of a perfect God using very imperfect people. I think about what's next. Year 12 starts today. And we're going to be looking back in a year from now celebrating and remembering what God has done. And I want you to be a part of that story. I don't want to just tell stories of 10 years ago. I want to tell stories of what God is doing this year in you, through you. I want to tell stories of sacrifice, of humility, of servanthood. I want to tell stories of passion for people, love for people. And I believe that God wants you to be a part of this future of the story that he wants to tell through you but it starts with this just grounding yourself in the love of God he loves you we do this every week by celebrating communion our team is coming right now if you guys would I want you to take the the cup it's got bread underneath and 
a drink on top, and I want you to hold on to it. We're going to receive it together in a moment. Thanks. I want you to hold on to it for a minute. Just reflect with me for a moment on the love of God. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ. See, communion is a picture of that love because the bread is a picture of Jesus' body. The cup is a picture of Jesus' blood. The people of God have always been grounded by the love of God. As you hold that in your hands, you got to know that God sees you. That his sacrifice that he made was for you. The love that he poured out was for every single one of us. So when you hold this in your hand, this is a moment for you to make this personal. Some of you don't know Jesus. If you don't, communion's not for you. But this is an opportunity for you to come to faith in Jesus Christ right now and know that he loves you. That he gave his life for you. For us to be right with God, we have to be perfect. But every single one of us falls short of that standard, except for one, Jesus. Sinless and perfect in every way willingly gives his life for ours, takes our sin and gives us his perfection so that anyone who believes in Jesus will not perish but could have eternal life in Christ Jesus. For a moment, I just want you to reflect. Maybe just say this out loud. God loves me. Say it again. God, you love me. Say this. God, you forgive me. God, you came to save me. Thank you. Just thank him for his grace, for his willingness to save you. Just allow his love to fill you. Now for a moment, would you just begin to pray for people? Maybe just one person doesn't know the love of God. It's in your life. Maybe they're with you right now today. Maybe a friend, a family member. Just pray that God would reveal his love to them, that he'd use you. I also want you to just pray for this year coming up as a church, God, would you make us your church? God, would you shape us for your purposes? God, would you use me as a part of your church? God, I don't want to be sidelined, disconnected. I want to be all in. Your love compels me. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He was with his disciples. And he took some bread. After he'd given thanks, he broke it. He gave it to each of them. He said, every time you eat this, I want you to remember me. Let's eat together today and remember Jesus' love. The same way I... After dinner, he took the cup. He says, this cup is the blood of the new covenant. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you drink this, remember me. Let's drink. Remember Jesus.
I want to read you a story. It's a tradition of ours. I read this on our opening Sunday. I read it every year. Once upon a time, there was a dangerous seacoast where shipwrecks often occurred. On that coast was a little life-saving hut, very crude, with only one boat. But there were a few devoted members who gave themselves day and night at the risk of their own lives to rescue those who had been shipwrecked. Soon this little station became famous because so many people were saved. Others wanted to become associated with this very famous enterprise and gave time and money and effort to buy new boats and train more crews. And after a while, some members were kind of unhappy with such a poorly equipped building. So they enlarged the building and put, put in better furnishings, nicer paint. The life-saving station became a popular gathering place and the members began to use it as a club. As time went on, Fewer and fewer members were interested in the dangerous life-saving missions and instead hired professional crews to do the work. The life-saving motifs were prominent in the decorations. And there was even a decorative lifeboat in the room where they had their initiations into the club. About this time, there was a large shipwreck. The hired professional crews brought in the cold, half-drowned, dirty people, and the club was a mess. In response, the property committee had a shower stall built outside where future victims could get cleaned up before they came in. A split developed among the members at the next meeting. Most of them wanted to stop the life-saving activities, which were becoming a hindrance to their social lives. Some members insisted that life-saving was their only priority, but the majority prevailed. The minority were told that they could begin their own life-saving station down the coast, and so they did. As the years went by, the new station went through exactly the same changes that the old one had. It evolved into a club, and yet another life-saving station was founded. History continued to repeat itself, and on that coast today, visitors find a number of exclusive clubs along the shore. Shipwrecks are still frequent, but most people end up church started because of the love of God to rescue people. This has always been a life-saving station. This has always been a hospital for the hurting. And this is a moment for us to be recentered once again in the love of God that compels us to be a people who are sent, who are going, who are doing whatever it takes. To shrug off all the things that we make as hindrances in our life and begin to once again, say, God, how do you want my life to look? Where do you want to use me? How, God, can I be a part of your mission, of your kingdom, of your purposes? God, forgive me for allowing myself to get consumed with all of these other things, God. This life is yours. That's really the invitation today. Is to say, I'm in. Jesus, I'm in for your love. I'm in to, to love the way you've loved me. Think about those of you in the room that have never experienced the love of Jesus Christ. Today, you would just make that decision in your heart to say, I'm in, Jesus. You've loved me. You've forgiven me. You've poured out this love for me. God, I'm in. I will, I will do whatever you call me to. This life is yours. Others of you, you've made that decision. But when it comes to Jesus' church, 
his rescue mission. It's been hard lately. And God's just saying, hey, I want you. I want your heart. I want my love to pour through you. I want you to experience the fullness of being a part of a rescue mission. I don't want you sidelined, consumed with yourself. I want you to experience the joy of being in the middle of the miracle. The invitation is for every single one of us today. Sam, in. Jesus, I am in. I'm into this next year. I'm into following you, Jesus. I am in. If you're at that spot of commitment today, I just want to ask you to stand to your feet today real life wherever you are would you just stand to your feet all over this place you're like i'm in i, I want to be a part of what god is calling me to calling us to as a church i'm in to follow jesus you're online stand up where you are just in a posture of commitment i want to pray just a prayer of commissioning over every single one of us jesus you see your church standing before you today imperfect broken struggling but called loved, forgiven, accepted, made new, Jesus. And we just choose to receive your love again today, God. You call us by name. You call us out of darkness. You call us out of stuckness. You call us out of the pain of our past. You call us through all the things that we've been navigating, God, and still your heart remains the same. Your love is still the same. Your mission is still the same. And so today, Jesus, we collectively say, yes, we are in. Yes, Lord, we will go. Yes, Lord, we will follow. Yes, Jesus, we will love, we will serve, we will give. We are your church called by your name, Jesus, and we choose to come after you. God, would your love fill us? Would your love compel us? Would your love motivate us? God, would your love be the mark of this church? Would your love be the mark of our marriages, of our parenting, of our kids' lives? Would your love, God, be the mark that, that makes us known in this region, God? Would your love fill us, compel us, God, as a people to go. Jesus, you send us into this workplace, God, into this neighborhood, into this school. God, you send us with your love, God. And I pray that we would walk out of here today sent, sent by your love, filled with your love, God, commissioned in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Can we celebrate together alive? It's been an amazing 11 years, and I believe year 12 is going to be so good. Today is a day to celebrate, to worship, to give our hearts to Jesus. Hey, let's sing this together. If you are in a spot where you're ready to be baptized, our team would love to meet you in the back right now, and we will help you take that step today. Thanks again for tuning in to the Real Life Spokane podcast. We want to encourage you and help point you closer to Jesus. So be sure to visit our website or to reach out on that phone number. We love you, Real Life. See you next time.